Sure is good to hear that orchestra, isn't it? I enjoy that. Every Sunday that they play, I really enjoy that. <clears throat> Something that's unique, not unique, but universal. For every believer, really for every person, is trials and tribulations. We've been calling it our wilderness. And learning how, as believers, to follow Jesus in the wilderness. And the last couple of weeks, as we've been talking about following Jesus in the wilderness, we have been talking about uh, really trying to expose how the devil uh, comes at us when we are down. You know, the devil's a coward, and he kicks us when we're down. And uh, first of all, he wants to attack us and bring us down, and then when we're down, we've done what he's tempted us to do, then he kicks us and he beats us up over it. So we talked about how the devil is our adversary. He's our number one enemy. He's, our, he's the deceiver. He's the destroyer. He's the divider. He's the accuser that constantly condemns us. And he's all of those things. But I want to show you one more thing that he is today as we're talking about uh, how in our wilderness the devil seeks to attack us spiritually. John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus says this about the devil. Now he's speaking actually to the Pharisees, those religious hypocritical leaders. He said to them, you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie... He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So the devil is not only a deceiver, destroyer, divider, devourer. He is a liar. He's the father of all lies. Last week we talked about how under the spiritual attack that the devil launches against us, he attacks our identity, who we are. Basically, who every human being is made in the image of God, made male and female. He attacks our identity. He attacks our faith. But today I want you to see how in our times of spiritual wilderness, but not only during those times, but almost at any time of a believer's walk, he is going to attack the Word of God. That's what we see in, in the temptation of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, which is our text for this series. So turn with me or follow on the screen in Luke chapter 4. Just look at verses 9 through 11. Now, this is the third temptation that Jesus um, faced in the wilderness, his 40 days. And it says, Then the devil brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Isn't it interesting that the devil uses the Bible? That's what he's quoting there. The devil's quoting Psalm chapter 91, verse 11 and 12. He's quoting scripture to Jesus to get Jesus to sin. Do you think that perhaps he would do the same thing with you and me? Do you think he would use the Bible to lie to us? Use the truth to lie to us. That's exactly what he does. First of all, if you're taking notes, by the way, our notes are on the Bible app. If you want to look under events and then click on the DSBC events, you'll be able to follow this outline. 
But if you're taking notes, the first point that that the devil does to attack the word of God is he creates doubts that question the authority of God's word. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Hold your finger at Luke 4, but go back to Genesis chapter 3 and mark that place too because we're going to be there quite a bit this morning. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now the devil has basically embodied this servant. So when he's saying the serpent, he's talking about the devil. And it says, The devil said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So the first thing the devil said is, Did God really say that? You see, he creates doubts in our mind. It's okay to ask questions when seeking to understand the Bible. Questions send us on a journey towards the right answer. But the devil doesn't want us to come to the right answer. He doesn't want us anywhere near a proper understanding of God's word. He wants us to just reject it outright. So he introduces this idea. Is that really in the Bible? Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Isn't that kind of outdated for this world? Someone recently shared this statement. The enemy, Genesis 3, didn't tempt Adam and Eve to commit murder or to lie or to steal. He tempted them to question God's word. Do you think that that's what the devil's doing with God's people today? Do you not recognize it? Question God's word. In the context of our modern culture, is it going to hold up? Is it still God's word? Is it still truth? But you see, no matter, the devil's tactic with Adam and Eve, the devil's tactic with Jesus in Luke 4, and the devil's tactic with you and me today is to get us to view the forbidden as acceptable. But no matter what the devil or your friends or this culture tells us is acceptable, if the Word of God has said it's forbidden, then it is sin. Plain and simple. Abortion is sin. It's murder. Any sexual relationship that's not shared exclusively between a husband and his wife is sin. Which includes homosexuality. Which includes shacking up and having sex with people you're not married to. Which includes pornography and lust. It's sin. It's forbidden. Gossip is a sin. Lying is a sin. The love of money is a sin. Gluttony, there I said it, is a sin. Hypocrisy is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. See, in Jesus' temptation, the devil made the forbidden. Worship something else. Worship me. Made it look appealing. He said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He made the forbidden 
false worship look appealing I'll give you everything you ever wanted the devil's tactic is to cause people to ignore the word of God or believe that the word of God is out of touch it's out of date it's not in keeping with the times and the sad thing is is that many many who call themselves Christians are buying into that lie yes the Bible is out of touch no, God didn't really mean that. And why are they believing that lie? Because culture, the devil's using the culture to bombard the truth and erode the truth of God's word. And it seems easier for us to just go along so we can get along. It seems it would promote peace in our time. If God's people would just shut up about God's truth and just compromise a little bit, just bend a little bit, it would make peace for everybody. Let me ask you, do you think that's what God has in mind? Do you think that's what God's definition of peace is? Just go along to get along? I know you know the answer to that. No, that's not God's idea. That's the devil's idea. The devil wants God's people to question the authority and the truth of his word. Did God really say that? Did God really mean it that way? Did he not really make allowances for this, that, or the other? Another thing the devil does to attack the word of God is he twists the word of God. He twists it. Let me read Genesis 3. That question again from the, from the devil in verse 1. And see from your knowledge of the previous two chapters, if you can pick up the twist that the devil put on, or the spin the devil put on that scripture, or that God's word. Here's what the devil said. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, unless you can remember or know what God actually said, you might not recognize the spin that the devil put on that. Let's see if we can recognize it by going back to what God did say in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Here's what God said. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat. Now go back to the devil's twist. Did God really say you shall what? Not eat. What did God say? Of every tree you what? May eat. Except. See, the devil puts a little spin on it. He, he's trying to get a little spin to get Eve's and Adam's attention really off the truth of God's word and say, God's withholding from you. And he interjects that word not. Where God said you may accept the tree of the, in the garden, in the middle of the garden. You see, the devil plays with God's word. He twists it and he uses it for his own deceiving devices in our lives. He misquotes it. He leaves things out. And he adds things to it. Cleanliness 
is next to godliness. That's in the Bible, right? Right? No, it's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. That's in the Bible, right? It's not. Nope, you're right, it's not. God won't put any more on you than you can handle. That's in the Bible, right? Nope, it's not in the Bible. It's not truth. The Bible says, here's the scripture that is taken out of, that is twisted. God says, no temptation has come over you but such as is common to man. But with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to withstand. Tempted. He will not allow you to be tempted. God will put things on you you can't handle. You know why? So you'll turn to him. But you see how the devil twists things. How he, he adds to it. And so many, so many follow this dangerous path. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.16 about Paul's writings. He said, Paul in all of his letters, speaking in them of things of which are some things hard to understand. Admittedly, there's some things in the Bible I don't understand. How about you? Have you got it all figured out? I don't. He said, but which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. That's the devil's tactic. Get you and I to twist the scriptures to mean something they don't mean or to allow something that's not allowed or to condemn something that God doesn't condemn. That's the devil's tactic. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 18 and 19. God warns us in the closing chapter. In fact, two of the last four verses of the Bible, God says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from which the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. But you know, it's interesting, going back to Genesis chapter 3, that, that Eve actually recognized this subtle twist that the devil was trying on her. The devil said, did God really say, you shall not eat? Now look what Eve said. Verse 3, verse 2. Eve said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it. So Eve went back to what God's word said. God said, no, God didn't say you shall not eat of every tree. God said, we may eat of every tree except this one. So she went back to the Word of God. Listen, when the devil takes Scripture and he twists it, we need to do what Eve did. Go back to what God did say. Listen, let me challenge you again. I haven't, haven't given you this reminder in a long time. Please, please do not take everything I say as gospel truth until you've checked it out in the Holy Word of God. 
Do not take everything you hear from a preacher or teacher of the Bible as truth until you've checked it out in the Word of God. Do not take everything you hear from your friends, even if they're trusted Christian friends, as truth unless you've checked it out in the Word of God. The devil will use preachers. He will use Bible teachers. He will use good trusted friends to twist this book to get you and I to believe things that are not true because he's the father of lies. And the thing about lying and deceit is you don't know you're being deceived until you compare it to the truth. Eve recognized this subtle twist and she called him on it. But of course we'll see later he, the devil didn't give up. We need to recognize it as well. Going back to 2 Peter chapter 2 or chapter 3, remember that verse 16 said many people are twisting it to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. But verse 17 says, You therefore, beloved, you're the beloved of God. We're the children, beloved of God, since you know this beforehand, since you know the devil's going to take the scripture and twist it, he tells us, Beware so that you don't fall from your steadfastness and be led away into the era of the wicked. That is my prayer for us. Oh God, help us to be alert and aware, to be vigilant to the lies of the devil when it comes to the Word of God in comparison to what our culture is going through, that we would not compromise your truth. We would not be fall from the steadfastness of our faith and be led away into the error of the wicked. But, verse 18, we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the devil wants us to doubt God's word. He wants us to twist God's word. And another thing the devil does is that he points out seeming contradictions in God's word. The devil wants us to believe that the Word of God cannot be trusted. That it says one thing here and something totally different here. The Bible wants you, his people, the devil wants you, his people, as well as other people who are not his, to believe that the Bible is full of contradictions. Did you know, well, in Genesis chapter 3, it's almost like the devil is saying when he said, Did God really say you shall not eat? It's almost as if the devil said, you can either eat from every tree in the garden or you can't eat from every tree in the garden. You can't have it both ways. One of those cancels the other. Contradicting God's word. You know, there are whole websites dedicated to the supposed contradictions in the word of God. You could Google it and you'll see hundreds of websites, many of them manned and operated by atheists who don't believe the word of God. They want to point out all the contradictions or the seeming contradictions in God's Word. But a believer who is seasoned in the Scripture can dispel all of those contradictions. But those who are unfamiliar with the Scripture struggle with them. And it can lead them to reject the Bible altogether and thus reject God, which is exactly what the devil wants us to do we fall into his hands. Ray Comfort is another, if you Google, if you were to Google contradictions in the Bible, one of the websites that would come up would be that of Ray Comfort. Ray has dedicated his life to uh, apologetics and helping young people in particular to see that the lies of the culture do not match with reality. 
And he's very effective at it. Very effective. He has a whole video we showed here one time. Uh, and we may show it again. But we have a website that we have access to as well. And uh, you're going to encounter people, probably, and already have throughout your life, that, that don't believe what the Bible says about certain things. And will point out contradictions in God's Word. What can you do? Well, first of all, I want to uh, challenge us to get familiar with what God says. What is the whole counsel of God on this particular subject? Not just pulling a scripture out of context, but what is the whole counsel of God? What does God's Word say on this particular hot-button topic? Secondly is you can use a resource like this, the church business card. For on the back of it, we subscribe to a website called truelife.org. Uh, true and it's a, basically a video-driven website that answers many of the uh, issues that unbelievers have with God and the Bible. And when you hear something like that, you could pull this out of your purse or your wallet or your pocket and just say, well, look, I, I, first of all, here's what the Bible says, and maybe you, you're struggling to understand what the Bible says about it, but you can at least say, why don't you check this website out, and let's, let's meet for lunch tomorrow, and we'll talk about what the Bible says. So you go home and do your homework, they go home and do their homework, and then you meet together and you talk about it, but you don't let the lie just lie. You confront it with truth in a loving way and have a healthy discussion with them about it by the way any seeming contradiction in the scripture is just that seeming it is a seeming contradiction because of our finite human ability to understand yet the almighty the all-wise the all-knowing infinite God authored his word and he cannot lie and he cannot contradict himself let me ask you this to put this in perspective the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, God is always right, and if we don't think he's right, who's wrong? Who? We are. Who is the liar and the father of lies? Satan, the devil. So, if the devil convinces you and me that the Bible says one thing in this book and another thing in that book in the Bible, there is a contradiction then God is a what? Liar. Is God a liar or is the devil the liar? Who's the liar? But to believe that there is a contradiction in the word of God is you're saying God's word lies and God therefore is a liar. And you don't believe in the Word of God. You cannot pick and choose what you say you believe and don't believe when it comes to the Word of God. It is either all true or it is a lie. You give me a book. It can be 95% true, but if it's got 5% lies in it, I don't want to read it. It's a book of lies. This is not a book of lies. This is a book of truth. There are no contradictions. There are only seeming contradictions to our limited human intellect, the all-wise, all-seeing, omniscient God who sees all, knows all, and inspired His Holy Word knows that there's the truth there. I do not want to address any of those seeming contradictions. Rather, I want to address the problem of how we see them as contradictions. Look in Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus said this as He prayed. 
He said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. In other words, Jesus is saying, God has hidden certain things from those who seem to be wise in this age, but he's revealed them to babes. That is, those who've been born into the kingdom of God. Listen, unless you've been born into the kingdom of God, you do not possess the spirit of God. It is the spirit of God, the Bible says, that teaches us and guides us into all truth. So if you don't possess the Spirit of God, then obviously when you read the Bible, you're not going to understand it, and you're going to see things that may seem to be contradictory. But babes, those who are born in the kingdom of God, these truths have been revealed as truth. This is supported again in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 to 25. Paul writes, It is written, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Where is the person that says there are contradictions in the Bible? That's what that phrase, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message being preached, the Bible, to save those who believe. Do you know you can't be saved apart from the word of God? You cannot be saved apart from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? And you can't be saved apart from faith. The Jews want a sign. The Greeks want wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, Jesus is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, he's foolishness. But to those who are the called, that's you and me. Whether you're Jew or Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Any supposed contradictions, that's just revealing how foolish you are or that person is. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man, that's the man apart from Jesus Christ, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. The only way a person can understand the Word of God is by the Spirit of God who inspired the Word and lives within a person. If the Spirit of God, because of their lack of faith in Jesus, does not live in that person, then they can't understand the Scripture. And neither can you. The Holy Spirit's your teacher, your guide. Chapter 3, verse 19 of 1 Corinthians says, The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So the devil wants to point out seeming contradictions to cause you to really doubt the truth. Is God true? Who's the liar here? The devil wants to make God out to be the liar. And then lastly... The devil just outright denies the word of God. Back in Genesis chapter 3. Look, he didn't give up on Eve. Even though Eve pointed him back to what God said. The devil said in verse 4. You will not surely die. God said if you eat of the tree of that forbidden. If you eat the fruit of that tree that's been forbidden for you to eat from. You will surely die. And the devil said you will not. There's that word again. Not surely die so who's right 
God or Satan? Did Adam and Eve die? Oh, yeah, they died. Read the rest of the Bible. They died. They died immediately. Not physically. That came hundreds of years later. They would have never died physically had they not taken the fruit. But they died that day. They died. Whew. They became conscious of their nakedness. They died to that fellowship they had with God. They immediately became ashamed. They immediately felt guilt. They immediately felt the need to run and hide from God, whereas they used to walk with Him. They were scared now of God. Oh yeah, they died. Eve now had to bear children in pain. Adam now had to work by the sweat of his brow. Their children now were born with a sinful nature and they watched their oldest kill their youngest. They died. You see, the devil wants you to think God's a liar, that he won't do what he said he would do. That even works on the promise side of it. The devil wants you to take the promises of God and say, God won't do that for you. God doesn't love you. God won't bless you. God won't forgive you. God won't let you into heaven. But he does it on the other side too. There's no God. It's an outright denial of the scripture. God didn't say that. God didn't mean that. God won't really do that. There's no absolute right and wrong. There's no hell. There's no heaven. There's no judgment. And even if there is a God, there's not just one way to Him. And besides, you got plenty of time. He's full of lies. Listen to Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the cowardly. Who are the cowardly? These are the people who know God's truth, or at least have been introduced to it, but who are scared to stand up for it. They call themselves Christians, or at least they go to church. They want to be known as a good person. But when faced with error and lies from their culture, they're cowards and they won't stand up for the truth. The cowardly. The unbelieving. Those who've rejected the one God sent to save us from our sin, Jesus Christ. The only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The only way to be saved, the only way to be forgiven of your sin, the only way to go, go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. God said, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If God let sinners off the hook, then why did Jesus have to come and die? Jesus paid the debt for your sin and for mine. If I will believe, then I become a child of God. The, uh, the abominable. And he's not talking about snowmen. What's a, the abominable? You go back and read the Bible. And you'll find several things that God says are an abomination in his sight. murderers sexually immoral that is anybody who's engaged in any kind of immoral act that's ex that's and they're engaged in sex in any way outside of that exclusive relationship between the husband and his wife sorcerers 
those who are participating in, in witchcraft, seances, Ouija boards, horoscopes, sorcery, idolaters, worshiping something other than God. Those would be those who are money grubbers and greedy and love of money and pursue material wealth. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Now, let me ask you this. Does God mean that? Nah, not really. No, he's, he's, he's a God of love and mercy. He's going to let everybody into heaven eventually, right? He doesn't really mean that. Does he? You got to make up your mind what you believe. If this is true, there's a lot of church members going to hell. That doesn't say those that have committed these things. It said those who practice such things. Are you living an immoral life? Are you an idolater? Coward? Does God really mean that? If this is true, then we have a lot of work to do. First of all, the church of Jesus Christ, we need revival. We need God to work in our hearts, to change our hearts and our perspective. Second of all, we need to reach people who are practicing those things. We don't want them to go to hell. We don't want them to be separated from God. But the way we reach them is not by telling them their behavior is okay. Son, that's all right. No problem. God will let you in. That's not the way to reach them. The way to reach them is to speak the truth in love. Show them what the Bible says. Help them to understand. Have these kind of conversations with them. Seek to love them and build a relationship with them to point them to the truth of what God says. Don't be a coward. A coward not only says it's okay, but a coward will shout from the pulpit but won't get involved in that person's life to help that person. Don't be a coward. If, God, if this is right, then we need revival. We need a spiritual awakening in our church and in our city and in our state and in our nation. If this is true, if God won't let these people into the kingdom of heaven, if they're going to hell when they die, then we need to get busy reaching people for Christ. He says in verse 27, There shall by no means enter into this holy city anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let me ask you, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? How do you get your name there? He's talking about those who have been saved, those who have trusted Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Have you done that? Do you know that He's your Savior? And if you know that, are you living it out? Are you expressing that in the way you live? Are you being a living testimony to Jesus? And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if your name's not in the book of life, that doesn't mean he's excluded you. It's he's inviting you. You know the last invitation in the Bible is in the last chapter. That last warning I said, I shared with you a moment ago. Right before that last warning about adding to or taking away from the Scripture, he says, and the Spirit 
says, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let who's ever thirsty come and drink of the water of life. The invitation is for you to come. Come to Jesus. Yeah, you may be a coward, an unbeliever, an abominable, liar, sexually immoral. Yeah, we were all that at one time. But he's inviting you to come to him. When you come to Jesus, he'll clean you up. He'll wash you clean. And he'll make you more and more of what he wants you to be. But you've got to turn from your old sinful self and embrace Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me this morning?